Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Stocks continue to be range-bound as the Fed is in play this week. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. All right, this week we're going to talk to several experts about where markets are heading, and how the Fed is going to impact it all. Joining us to kick off the discussion today, J.J. Kinahan, CEO of IG North America and president of Tasty Trade here in Chicago. J.J., always great to have you on the Gaines Podcast. Thanks for having me today, Andy. Markets have been kind of stuck in this range, and um, we have the Fed in play this week, and there's a little bit of uncertainty on where markets are heading into the second half of the year. As mentioned, the Fed is in play just wanted to start there. Get your thoughts on markets as we're heading into the back end of the year. Well, it looks as though with this Fed meeting, you know, the probabilities of a rate hike are basically near zero. But what is interesting is the next day we have the Bank of England and then Friday we have the Bank of Japan. So you do have a Fed week worldwide, if you will, with the U.S. poised to do the least out of anyone else. Um, as we head to the end of the year, I think what's going to be interesting is to see, you know, we have a strike in Hollywood, obviously the United Order Workers strike. We have a lot going on on that front. And so I think that markets have not necessarily reflected that with a big move in the VIX or anything like that. But I think you're starting to see a little bit of nervousness. On today's close, what's interesting, combine that with what's going on so far in September, is that we are down a bit for the month, nothing spectacular, but we're down about 1.4% on the S&P 500. But 44.84 is going to be a big area because that's our 50-day moving average. Well, we closed lower than that today. So, you know, we're at 44.43. So for the folks who are, uh, you know, listening to the podcast, I think that those are some numbers that they should keep in mind as we go to the upside because we're likely to see some resistance if we do continue up there. Well, and you you mentioned moving averages and and the potential resistance there. Explain to the gains listener about moving averages. You know, there's a variety that you can watch. Why you watch them? Why it's important? Sure. So it really the 50 day moving average. There's uh, many people usually watch the 20 day, the 55 zero day, and the 100 day. I'm looking at the 50 day, which is sort of the middle of the range. And it just shows over the last 50 trading days where the market has been overall. 
and it gives you as an investor an idea of where you just might see some sellers come into the market. And if we do go through it, that's where buyers will will, will uh, come into the market. So it's really just a way for one, you know, one information point for you to start to understand why some of the things that may happen do happen. You mentioned there may be a little resistance going forward here, but what areas of the market do you like right now? What's your advice for the individual investor who are uh, maybe even sitting here with a little cash ready to deploy? So the the area, it's hard not to like energy right here. You've seen this incredible move in crude oil. And, um, you know, it doesn't show signs of weakening significantly. Now, crude oil closed today just above $90 a barrel. We may see it go back below 90, but there's nothing to make me believe that we're going to see a really big sell-off overall. The area that I think has been the most challenging for the individual investor has been financials. You know, they see, hold on, interest rates are higher. Isn't that really good for financials who sit on a lot of cash? And one of the things, you know, we've talked about interest rates. One of the things to keep in mind is that the yield curve is still inverted. What does that mean? That means that the shorter-term rates, that is two-year rates, are still higher than 30-year rates. When that goes the opposite way, a normalized curve, it makes sense. The longer you go in time, the higher rates should be because theoretically you're taking more risk. Once we get back there, that becomes really good for financials. So I think those who are like, I don't understand what's going on with banks, I have to buy them, you still have to be a little bit patient. And the biggest advice I can give to any retail investor is when you're deploying your strategies, whatever you want to buy, whatever you want to sell, don't do it all at once. The market goes back and forth every day for a reason. Take advantage of movement. So are you talking like a dollar cost uh, strategy when you're deploying capital into a particular position? 100%, Andy. I think it's the, the best way for people to think about the market is the dollar cost average. And people think about that on the way in. People don't necessarily think about that when they're selling. And so the reason I encourage it is you want movement to be your friend, not something you're afraid of. And then you mentioned the inverted yield curve. I, I know some, you know, that that could be a recessionary indicator. And you mentioned that the banks really aren't going to deliver for investors until we get past that. Uh, just it, do you see that any concern with the inverted yield curve? Uh, what camp are you in in that recession discussion? Well, you know, I think the continuation of inflation is more of a concern than recession at the moment. That's not to say recession should be ruled out, but I think we need to see more evidence overall. Uh, You know, the employment market is still holding up fairly well overall. So obviously, you know, employment being the biggest driver of demand. Now, that said, there are a few things to uh, be cautious about. It, we, we ha- we've seen a little bit of a slowing. If you look at the retail stocks, most of them have had a tougher time recently as sales have slowed a little bit. And the other thing, you know, to keep in mind is that student loans start again October 1st. That takes a lot of money out of the economy. I'm not as concerned for the end of the year. Where I really get concerned is the beginning of next year because people have a tendency to spend into the holidays. And when those credit card bills come, 
they're coming at a higher interest rate. And so that's when you may see spending really start to uh, pull back. So that, to me, is the more cautionary time is the beginning of 2024 rather than the end of 2023. And then as far as a sweet spot sector, you mentioned oil, you, you mentioned that banks maybe a little later down the line, but what's one other just kind of golden sector that you're eyeing right now that you see a lot of potential in, in under these current conditions? As I look around right now, um, I, I'm, you know, the one area that I will say, obviously, I think it's easy to say that technology, but I get a little bit nervous, if you will, there, because it's, we've had the, you know, Magnificent Seven or Elite Eight, whichever of those two you want to talk about, have had such an incredible run. So I think, actually, if you are cautious heading into the new year, consumer staples, they're always in demand. They're not very sexy, so to speak. But if we do see any kind of a pullback, those are things people still have to buy, and you may see that demand curve had a higher. And then final thoughts, uh, your final takeaway today as, as we look at markets heading into the back end of the year. So I, I think the back end of the year, as I said, will actually, in my opinion, be okay. You'll continue to see uh, demand come out of folks for the retail uh, stocks and into the holidays, et cetera. I don't think it's going to be anything spectacular. You know, we've been caught for the last few months although we've had some good intraday moves or maybe even intra-week moves, at the end of the day, we haven't gone anywhere. And I still think that pattern is going to continue where you may have two or three great weeks in a row, two or three terrible weeks in a row, and all of a sudden you look back and say, boy, nothing really happened. Great analysis from J.J. Kinahan, CEO of IG North America and president of Tasty Trade here in Chicago. All right, up next, Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors in New York. Jim, always great to have you on the Gaines Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Always my pleasure. So stocks have been range-bound, and there's a lot of discussion about direction of markets heading into the back end of the year, and that's where I wanted to start uh, today, Jim, is your take on markets and, and where we're heading. We've seen a, a little bit of stalling with markets, uh, the Fed's in play this week. Uh, what's your takeaway here? Okay, well, the base case is that uh, the Fed is either done or close to being done, uh, that they will hold rates at that level, uh, perhaps for, for an entire year, uh, that the economy slows down in the fourth quarter from the third quarter from something like 4% to 2%, but that continues to grow and grows at about a 2% rate, rate next year, that inflation, core inflation, gradually grinds its way down uh, lower but takes another two years to get to the 2% level, and that corporate profits have, uh, have bottomed and are going to start to grow again. Uh, and that base case, uh, is on balance bullish for stocks. You're selling it about 19 times forward four quarters. And if you can just hold that multiple and have earnings grow, you can have a positive return from stocks. Now, there are two risks to that. The first is that the Fed is not done or, or close to being done, and, and that we find out that inflation has accelerated uh, in, in the back half of the year, that the oil filters through, that the union auto contracts and union contracts filter through and that the Fed is raising rates again uh, at the end of the year. That's, that's a, a, a downside risk. And the other downside risk uh, 
is that we find out that the economy, which has really held up amazingly well uh, through over 500 basis points of rate increases, suddenly buckles. And we find out that uh, the economy is contracting next year. So those are the two ends of the bell-shaped curve, uh, a reacceleration inflation and interest rates or, or a, a rapid slowdown in the economy. But the base case is that we power through. Okay. And so uh, say we're able to uh, avoid the two risks that you talked about in any major way. What's your advice for, uh, uh, for the individual investor looking to kind of cash in on this move, it sounds like there's a, a if if those two risks don't peak up in a big way, we're working off a pretty good base uh, going forward. So, what's your advice for individual investors? Well, you you want to avoid low quality companies. You want to avoid companies that have a lot of debt because debt is going to remain expensive, and many of them uh, are going to have resets in their interest rates. Uh, but aside from that, I think it will be a pretty egalitarian market where. Uh, a, a variety of types of stocks will do well. Of course, technology stocks, uh, which have led over the long term, will continue to lead. But the unweighted averages away from those seven stocks have sort of lagged and will play catch up. So I think if you if you keep your quality high, you can buy uh, uh, both the magnificent magnificent seven and the unweighted uh, indices, and I think you can have a positive return that will exceed that of bonds and money markets. And you speak to higher rates. That actually could be a good thing for a lot of companies going forward. We always talk, you know, tech, and if you have a ton of debt, that's an issue. But higher rates benefit banks. There's others as well. Explain. Well, higher rates, uh, uh, like, like other uh, important factors in the economy, create winners and losers. And the, the, the major losers is co- are companies that have a lot of debt that's floating rate or that's going to reset in the next uh, year or two. Uh, uh, higher rates uh, uh, can affect the, negatively affect the valuation of, of growth stocks, uh, but higher rates, as you said, do, do benefit banks, uh, and they benefit companies that have uh, a lot of cash and that uh, put their money uh, out in interest-bearing instruments because they will earn higher rates on those instruments. You talked about oil being a, a factor in that inflation risk uh are you buying some of the big oil companies and stocks like that to kind of hedge the position a little bit well yes we are mostly asset allocators rather than stock pickers but let me say that energy uh has proven to be very strong and for the moment momentum is with it what would change that is if you get a slowdown in the worldwide economies and demand dissipates but based on what you know now with the saudis cutting back production uh, and and with uh, firming prices, uh, for now, you do want to own some energy as a hedge. And a lot of those companies that you often find in that sector throw off a pretty healthy dividend, and, and uh, that was very welcomed in this environment as well. Yes, the multinationals, the quality multinationals uh, uh, in that environment would provide both earnings growth uh, and dividend growth and could be attractive vehicles. And then finally, Jim, as we look overseas, um, you know, there's there's a lot of good companies abroad. It's also a way if, if if there's any kind of weakening in the dollar, that could be a factor as well. Talk about international. Talk about how the dollar fits into that play and your advice for investors there. Yeah. In the base case, the dollar will continue strong. Europe's in a recession. 
Uh, emerging market uh, is hostage to a strong dollar. So, yes, if the dollar were to weaken, that would that would benefit uh, emerging markets. But uh, I don't expect that to happen. And you have to say that Europe right now is, uh, uh, if not in a recession, very close to it. All it's going to take is a cold winter, and they are closer to ge- ge- geopolitical risk than we are. So uh, I, I, I like the USA. And then finally, your favorite sector or part of the market right now, Jim? Uh, I've long-term, you, 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 you will not participate if you don't own quality uh, technology. This artificial intelligence uh, phenomenon, while it, while, it, while it will create some hype in companies that don't deserve to go up, it's going to change our lives uh, the same way the Internet did, and you want to be part of it. I'm with you on that. Artificial intelligence is going to be a big part of our lives. Hey, big thanks to Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors in New York. We'll be right back to continue the discussion. Got to take a quick break. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops, we drop Gains episodes on Wednesday morning. We'll be right back after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, for our final conversation, let's bring on Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. Jack, always great to have you on the Gains Podcast. Great. Thanks, Andy. The Fed is in play this week. The markets have been kind of caught in this trading range and wanted to bring you in and get your take on Fed policy and what it means for markets as we uh, head to the back end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there is a debate going on uh, whether or not the Fed is done. Um, also, um, if they you know will announce that they're done, uh, could also um, breathe a you know, collective sigh of relief as a result. Uh, but right now we've got, you know, a had a pretty strong PPI, I mean, CPI and PPI. Uh, and so it still remains to be seen if the, the Fed is going to put their uh, uh, tightening equipment away. And then as far as markets going forward, what does that mean for stocks heading into the back end of the year? And then also advice for uh, the individual investor here, maybe with a little uh, dry powder waiting to deploy as well. Yeah, I mean, there's you know certainly plenty. I'm sure there's plenty of dry powder given now that uh, the overnight rate is around five and a half percent. So I think there's you know opportunity to sit tight. Um, but you know these higher interest rates, at least on the front end, are really uh, kind of a double whammy if you think about it. You know, the stock market thrives on earnings growth and multiples, and um, higher interest rates. Uh, mean that earnings growth tends to subside a little bit just because of the higher cost of capital, uh, but also higher interest rates in the intermediate part of the curve means that the multiple uh, will compress a little bit. So, you know, given this move that we've seen in the 10-year Treasury yield from, uh, you know, the beginning of the year till now, um, you know, suggests that the, the multiple 
you know, would have contracted from about 20 times to 17 times. Now, I will say that the S&P is trading at 20 times still, uh, but the average stock in the S&P is at around 17 times. Well, that uh, speaks to a lot of stocks have had to catch up to some of the high flyers here. That's it. I mean, if you look, you know, clearly the S&P 500 is on a, on a tear, but if you look at the average stock in the market, I would say the gains here to date are probably half that, you know, for you know, 10% at best. So I don't, you know, if you look underneath the surface, I don't think the S&P 500 is, you know, overpriced or uh, on the verge of, uh, you know, collapsing. Uh, you know, we have certainly some high-profile names at the top end of the, the capitalization stack that are up 50% year-to-date. Perhaps that's not sustainable, but I think the average stock, you know, should be able to hold in there pretty well. What areas of the market do you find maybe more attractive than others? Yeah, so I think in terms of um, some of the themes we look at uh, are quality. We like high-quality companies. Quality, uh, High-quality relative to low-quality is has rallied about 30 percentage points uh, this year. Uh, but even still, by longer-term standards, high-quality companies are still average price. Um, and the reason why we like quality is as interest rates, you know, as these bond yields roll over, bond prices, I, I, I should say, bond you know, maturities roll over, uh, they have to refinance at a higher rate. Uh, and that's going to hurt the lower-quality companies that have more debt relative to the higher quality. When companies. you say high quality, give us a couple names. What What are you exactly talking about when you say high quality? Sure. So, you know, companies, uh, high-profile companies like McDonald's, uh, like uh, Chevron, Exxon, uh, Archer Daniels Midland, um, you know, uh, Granger, uh, name a few that that very high quality. They've had a, a long track record of maintaining and growing their dividend. Don't rely on a lot of debt uh, ha- and have some decent predictable cash flow. Well, and speaking of dividends, some of the the names you just mentioned uh, throw off some nice dividends, especially in the oil space, especially in some of those big blue chippers. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, they're not going to be above market dividends, but what we'll find is dividend growth. Uh, is any can be anywhere between five and eight percentage percent per year uh, on average. If you know going back about five years, so the nice thing about it is, is these dividends will match their earnings uh, and will stay well ahead of inflation. And you're not taking on a ton of risk for some of the the big names you just mentioned. No, that's it. In fact, uh, the upside opportunity for high-quality companies is actually higher than the S&P 500 to the upside. And on the downside, you know, it probably is only drops maybe three-quarters of the way uh, that the S&P drops on the downside. So it's a, they're very well positioned to navigate any kind of turbulence if we have it going forward. And then, Jack, what is your absolute favorite sector or area of the market right now that you just, out of everything, you, you just... You, you see, you know, some potential. I'd say Japan. Um, okay, now you, know, you say Japan, then that's interesting. And 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 uh, we, I was talking international a little earlier. That is very interesting. You say Japan, give us the case, and then also give us a vehicle that we can get exposure. Well, I'll start with the vehicle, uh, exchange-traded fund EWJ. Um, the case is really twofold. Um, this is a 
this is a, a market and an economy that's been in the doldrums for decades. Uh, its uh, valuation has really stagnated as its economy has stagnated, um, and it's it's really starting to wake up. Um, the, so valuation is very, very cheap. The yen, relative to other currencies, is table-poundingly cheap. Uh, anyone who travels to Japan uh, on vacation is going to find that they'll be able to live like a king or queen. But the the point here is it's it's you know it it's cheap. It's moved a lot in local in local currency. It's up probably about forty percent year to date. Uh, but in dollar terms, it's a lot less because the yen has weakened relative to the dollar year-to-date. Uh, but, you know, either way, if the yen stays cheap, that means those export uh, uh, corporations, export-oriented corporations, are going to be able to price their products and command a, a much bigger market share. If, as the uh, yen accelerates and improves relative to the dollar, we would get that as a reward as shareholders. Yeah, I like that. uh that Japanese play. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, this is deep in the weeds, but I got to still throw this at you. Uh, you know, remember all those years of the carry trade for the yen? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we won't even... That's one of the reasons why the yen still stays cheap. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll put downward pressure on it because people still want to sell that yen and buy by uh, dollars. Yeah, and then uh, and then they deploy that into an investment in dollars often as well. It's kind of smart right. how they uh, manipulate that. All right, so um also Jack final takeaway from our conversation, you know, as we look at the Fed in play and the back end of this year. Yeah, so I think that uh, the Fed is likely done whether they say so or not, probably won't. They don't want to box themselves in. Um, but my guess is they're going to take a pass on raising rates on Wednesday. Uh, and, um, you know, for the remainder of the year, I think, you know, gradual slowing of inflation, gradual slowing of growth, um, hopeful interest rates trend lower as a result. Uh, and then we'll see some Fed cuts probably in the second quarter of next year. Always great advice from Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. And hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. I've been told that's podcast gold. Totally appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.